The Houston Astros got hacked, the All-Star Game ballot got infused with blue, and phew, wow, what a week we had last week. It was such a week that we didn't even publish our show until Wednesday. Sorry about that. Well, guess what? We're going to make it up to you. We're going to make it up to you with such a great show this week that we won't even have the energy to post a show next week. That's right, guys. We will be off for Independence Day and back just in time to tell you who not to bet on to win the Home Run Derby. Spoiler alert, don't bet on John Carlos Stanton. But don't be sad, no, no, no. And especially don't cry. Why? Because Roger Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No. 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 And you know why? Because there's no crying in baseball! And this is Rounding Third. So no Apollo 13 reference this week, but we did throw in some Tom Hanks. I promise, we're not just trying to come up with ways to keep stringing this joke along, it just keeps happening. So let's see. Our top story of the week, maybe the top story of the season, this is the kind of big shake up that could revolutionize baseball the same way that the Supreme Court forever changed America this week. This story is so big, we're going to make it its own segment. Because if what I'm about to tell you actually happens, there will be a lot more news to come. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce this segment with the type of enthusiasm that can only be mustered by a three-year-old girl. So I bring you, for the first time ever... Lady Balls! That is right, lady balls, or should I say, les balles de fil. With the MLB draft for college, high school, and amateur players in the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico behind us, we are fast approaching the chance for international amateurs to sign with MLB teams. A new international signing period opens July 2nd with more of the best foreign talent from the likes of Cuba and the Dominican Republic having a chance to play for big league teams. However, not all players registered with MLB fit that profile. A number of European players also make the list, including this year's highlight, a 16-year-old French woman. Melissa Mayu is a shortstop for the French under-18 team and made history as the first woman ever to be added to the international registration list, something that is reserved for those that MLB thinks have a realistic chance of being signed by a major league team. The MLB Director of International Game Development, Mike McClellan, has had his eye on Mayu for a while, describing her by saying, she's a legitimate shortstop who makes all the plays and is very smooth and fluid in the field. She swings the bat really well and is fearless. So, 
She is one of the four members of the French team to be invited to MLB's European Elite Camp to work with former major leaguers including Hall of Fame shortstop Barry Larkin. Two previous attendees of these camps have made it to the majors, Italian Alex Liddy and German Donald Lutz. So is Mayu ready to sign and try to be the first female major leaguer? Well, probably not quite yet as she speaks very little English. Shame the Expos are gone. She wants to stay playing in France at least until she turns 18 before going abroad to play. But talk about a huge deal, especially in the same year that America became obsessed with 14-year-old Moni Davis, one of the few females to make the Little League World Series and one of the only to rock the foundation of the game. It certainly seems like we are destined to see the first female player since the All-American Professional Baseball League which existed for 11 years during World War II. Now, two things I want to address, as these two things will get brought up more and more as female athletes become a part of mainstream baseball. Well, they should make a woman's league, and it'll change the game, brah. As for the women's league, there actually already is one, and it's already partnered with Major League Baseball. The National Pro Fast Pitch League currently has five teams and are a mere 46 days away from their 2015 championship series. So it would be factually incorrect to suggest that a woman would only play in the majors because she lacks an appropriate alternate venue. A woman would only play in Major League Baseball because she wanted to. Wanted to play on the same level and has the skills to do so. That should be the standard, and that's the same standard by which men are judged. To suggest that any player, male or female, should only be allowed to play if they're going to be the next big thing and revolutionize the game is ridiculous. Any player who is brought up to the majors will make it for one reason, because they have the skill set that is needed by their club. The second cry which will probably sound familiar to anyone who was around during Jackie Robinson's day. Uh, It'll change the game, brah. On this account, eh, I'll agree. It would. But you know what else has changed the game? Uh, Rob Manfred's pitch clocks? A-Rod's roid veins? At a time when baseball is struggling to maintain viewers, I think some change could be the perfect fix. So far, No professional sport has ever integrated men and women into the same teams in the same league, but there's clearly a demand for it. I mean, if mixed martial arts is a clamoring for it, the sport with more pent-up testosterone than all the other sports combined, then I think it's safe to say that baseball would be changed for the better. Even if Melissa Mayu doesn't get signed, it's still a huge deal that a woman was added to the international registration list. If she does get signed, a woman in the minor leagues is an even bigger deal. Whether she makes it to the majors or not is irrelevant at this point because baseball has become the first major sport to embrace the idea in theory, even if not yet in practice. It appears that the Montreal Expos are at last dead. I mean... They haven't been around since 2004, but it has felt like since that time that the ghost of their French-speaking separatism has haunted the team which became the Squiggly W's.
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did I just confuse Montreal with Quebec? Whatever, the joke was funny. Once they moved to Washington, D.C. and became the Nationals, the team focused much of its effort on building a brand and a fan base and then building its franchise from the inside by putting its foundation in rock-solid draft picks. You with me there? Yeah, a lot of words. They selected first overall in back-to-back years, acquiring flame-throwing phenomenon Steven Strasburg, and then the next year by selecting Bryce Harper, who was renowned for his sweet swing and relentless playing style. Yeah, not too bad for two first-round draft picks. Plus, the Nationals sprinkled in good supporting free agents to help bolster their young roster. After overpaying for Jason Wirth several years ago, The Nationals had been reluctant to sign another big-name free agent until last year with the signing of reigning AL Cy Young Award winner Max Scherzer. With an already impressive starting roster anchored by veteran ace Jordan Zimmerman and Strasburg, yeah, the Nationals became immediate favorites to win the World Series behind their predicted historic staff and stud outfielder Bryce Harper. Parts of the reason I'm talking about this this week is to, well, atone for my sins? Yeah. The sins of rounding third? Mm Mm-hmm. Forgive me, Father, because I know that we've poked a good deal of fun at Vegas bookmakers for listing the Nationals as the leader to win the World Series ever since spring training began. At one point in April, they were one of the worst teams in baseball, and man... Does it sound good to be the smart man on the high horse in hindsight? But what actually happened to the Nationals seems now like a series of growing pains, particularly for their recent retooled pitching staff. After a lugubrious 10-13 record at the end of April, the Nationals were looking for anything to jumpstart their team in the winning ways. And they got it in the form of Harper, who was the NL Player of the Month, and literally out-hit the other teams with the help of Yunel Escobar to a 28-22 and record by the end of May. But it wasn't until June that the pitching really started to settle in and took over, most notably in the last five days. The Nationals had skidded themselves to a 33-31 and record on June 15th after a 6-1 to loss to the Rays. Since then... They have an 8-2 record, and their starters have over 34 innings of scoreless baseball to show for it. The June turnaround has been cemented by Scherzer, who has thrown a one-hitter, no-hitter, and eight scoreless innings in his last three starts respectively, followed by Zimmerman and Strasburg, who are quickly looking like their old, dominant selves. Couple the exceptional pitching with Harper and Escobar having their best year, and the Nationals look as dangerous as everyone predicted. Not only did Scherzer get America 20,000 free pizzas last week thanks to the Domino's Domino-Nose promotion giving away free pizzas after no hitters, but he has also catapulted his team back into first place in the World Series Futures rankings alongside the reigning AL champs and another perennially bad team, ironically. To you, Max Scherzer, I would like to humbly say, I guess your W might not be so squiggly after all. Folks, that is nearly our show this week. We've devoted three times our normal news budget for a single story to Melissa Mayu because, well, she's earned it. So before we go, a few other micro stories, which are kind of funny 
and simply can't be left out of this week's episode. The New York Yankees and their 90 million World Series championships have retired so many jersey numbers that they are literally running out of numbers to use. This past week, three different players were all issued jersey number 65. (laughs) Given that the team has officially retired 18 numbers and have unofficially retired another three, if you consider the 40 men on the team plus the coaching staff who also get numbers, the Yankees could become the first team to use three-digit jersey numbers within the next few years. I wonder. Now, I'm serious. Let me ask you. Do you think they'll let A-Rod use an asterisk as one of his numbers? Hmm. Don't know. The Miami Marlins, the only team with a rainbow avatar prior to the Supreme Court ruling this week, have lost their super-duper expensive slugger Giancarlo Stanton to a broken wrist. He'll be out four to six weeks pending surgery. Remember earlier I said not to bet on him in the home run derby? Yeah, that's why. But that might not be the worst thing for the fish. After all, they're in the same division as who? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Washington Nationals. They might as well lower their rainbow flag and put up a white one regardless of if their big hitter returns in time for the playoffs, which they'll never make. And lastly, before I go, I know, I know, I know, we're running out of time. I know, I know, no. Okay. The Texas Rangers brought a live cheetah onto the field prior to their game against Oakland on Thursday. If you thought the Rangers cheerleaders known as the Six Shooter Squad sounded dangerous, you have officially been punked. The cheetah, which ran faster than an R.A. Dickey knuckleball, literally guys, was brought out for Wildlife Appreciation Day. And while these reports are unconfirmed, We've been told that no Oakland Athletics were fed to the Lions or uh, the Cheetahs during the game. Folks, I am Jeff Besselman. I approve of this podcast. I approve of what Melissa Mayu's doing. I hope everybody has an amazing 4th of July holiday. Stay safe, give thanks, and enjoy a nice long weekend with family and friends. Thank you for listening. Good night. The Rounding Third Podcast is brought to you by writer and producer David A. Robbins. Production in our New York studio is directed by Maggie Robbins-Besselman. Contributing writers on this week's episode of Rounding Third were Tom Smith and Clayton Lawson. The Rounding Third theme song is used with permission from John Ross. Follow us on Twitter at RTPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rounding Third Pod, or email us at RoundingThirdPod at gmail.com. The Rounding Third Podcast is available in the iTunes Store. See our Facebook page for a link to subscribe. All materials published on the Rounding Third Podcast are subject to copyright, and all rights are reserved by their respective owners. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of Rounding Third, I am your host, Jeff Besselman. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to filling your mind with more baseball facts next week.